Proverbs 27, verse 6 is where we'll start. In your reading, I will, or for the reading, I will uh, read verse 6 and 7 before we pray. Faithful. Everyone say faithful. We love that word as believers, faithful, don't we? He is faithful. We know that our ending account, Brother Turner, will be well done thou, good and faithful. But oh, we are most assuredly not typically interested in the faithfulness that's coming from this verse. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The full soul loatheth an honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Um, I want to teach tonight. I feel great direction from the Lord to talk to us about the wounds of a friend. The wounds of a friend. If you've ever been wounded, say amen. I want you to pray with me. God, we love you. We thank you for our time together in your house. I'm asking that you would help me to teach with wisdom, with clarity, and most importantly, with anointing what you've laid on my heart in prayer this week. Help me to deliver it to the people. For those that maybe this is not as critical for, help them to somehow be encouraged. For the others who are dependent, critically dependent upon this word tonight, I pray you would help them. Help me to speak your word in such a way that it can be received. We pray it in Jesus' name. And let everyone say amen. amen. Turn to someone around you if you're comfortable and tell them the wounds of a friend. <clears throat> Please note that that is the way it is addressed. Dr. Anderson, he says the wounds, but not just any wounds, the wounds of a friend, and he calls them faithful. I want to be very clear here tonight as we begin, you're getting settled into your seat and the average speaker loses the audience for a moment. I want to regather you and I want to make sure everyone is very clear that I am not discussing what is known in our normal terminology as friendly fire, okay? So I want to be clear about this. According to Merriam-Webster, the definition for friendly fire is the firing of weapons from one's own forces or those of an ally, especially when resulting in the accidental death or injury of one's own personnel. Uh, Michael Oren wrote that after all, accidental attacks, though tragic, are common in war. In 1967 alone, friendly fire took the lives of over 5,000 Americans fighting in Vietnam. In an article that was written in 2017, you'll see a picture of the Oxley here, Andrew Knighton, wrote an article that was published by War History Online. And he wrote on September 10th, 1939, just after the start of World War II, 
The British submarine, the HMS Triton, spotted another submarine off the coast of Norway. When that vessel did not answer their challenge, the crew of the Triton assumed it must be a German U-boat. Therefore, they, as trained to do, fired two torpedoes sinking the other boat. Unfortunately, it was not a U-boat. It was another British submarine that failed the ability to respond. It was the HMS Oxley. Only two of its 54-man crew survived. The incident was kept secret until the 1950s. In short, I would say it to you this way. Friendly fire is accidental. Therefore, it seems that it's more forgivable. It was an accident. It was not meant to occur. Hear me very clearly. If you're going to be a man or a woman of God, if you're going to be a true believer, we need at times the faithful wounds of a friend. Some of you are not convinced yet, and I don't blame you. Allow me to read this from three different translations of the text. The NIV writes this way, Proverbs 27 and 6, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. The CSB says a friend imparts constructive criticism out of love, but an enemy gives kisses with deceit in mind. The CEV, Contemporary English Version, you can trust a friend who corrects you. We all need someone in our life. In fact, I would say we need typically more than one person and more than just our spouse, but we need people in our lives that can speak life through what could be interpreted as a verbal wound. Now, I know this is boring for some of you. You're, you're thinking, Pastor, come on, yell a little bit. What I'm doing right now is trying to keep you from yelling. Trying to keep you from getting hurt and responding in a negative way towards someone's positive speech. Now, there is a way to do it and a way not to do it. Psalm 141 and 5 says, Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. And let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 8 says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. I want to say something very strong tonight. And this is not from the pastor to the, to the uh, follower or to the laity. I'm not talking about you receiving correction from me as the pastor. I'm not talking about the young people receiving correction from the youth pastor. I'm talking about having godly individuals in our lives that can speak life to us. This is a strong statement, but I'm saying it intentionally. If you cannot be corrected, you cannot be Christian. Go ahead, write that down. If I cannot be corrected, I cannot walk 
the Christian walk. If all I do is correct others and I can never receive correction myself, I don't have a spiritual significance that has me so high that I can never do wrong. I have an ego problem that cannot identify the truth of who I am and that I'm wrapped in flesh too. Come on. Turn to your neighbor, tell him you know you're human. <clears throat> if not, Enoch, you're about to get up out of here. Proverbs 19, verses 25 through 28. Smite a scorner, and the simple will beware, and reprove one that hath understanding, and he will understand knowledge. He that wasteth his father and chaseth away his mother is a son that causeth shame and bringeth reproach. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. An ungodly witness scorneth judgment, and the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. So yes, you need instruction. I need instruction. Many of us in here are parents tonight, to which I would say, you care, don't you, who's giving your kid advice? We're in this technological age right now. Something recently brought to my attention about a podcast that some of our young people were listening. There's some trash they shouldn't listen to. Well, they're giving good advice. They're not giving good advice if there's profanity woven through that entire podcast. I feel a little resistance. I'm going to go ahead anyway. Tell you right now, we are not getting our marching orders from ungodly individuals who don't know Christ, are not filled with His Spirit. We need godly guarding. We need godly advice. We need godly instruction. And what the writer is writing about and what is woven throughout the, the truth of Scripture what is on display for us is at times, if I have a true friend, they will have to look at me and tell me that is a poor decision. Can I tell you, Brother Alex, there have been times in my life when the closest, godliest friends have had to challenge me on things and my first response was hurt. My second response was irritation. I don't know which came first. I think I was hurt that they would say it and then I was irritated that they would have the audacity. But I'm going to tell you what that was typically followed by. Embarrassment. Embarrassment that I could not receive what was obvious. If we're not careful, we cannot see a clear reflection of ourselves. Many times when we teach or we look at the Old Testament plan and we get to the brazen labor. Remember, we taught on this a year or so ago. A lot like to speak to the brazen labor, that place of reflection where the, the, the priest would stand there and would wash his hands in the blood, but they also would speak to the reflection of what is seen in the water. It seems to be a type for the Word of God. It's one of the only instruments we don't see fine measurements on, but the ability to look at the reflection of oneself. I will tell you, we need to see the reflection of ourselves through the Word of God, yes, but also through godly friends, friends who can look at us and tell us whether we want to hear this or not, if you cheat, it will affect you. You cannot cheat and be a preacher. Right? You, you must stop. Here's one we don't talk about much. You must stop 
embellishing your stories. Every time you tell, every now and then we need a friend close enough to us that could say, every time you tell the story, it's different. Remember, remember the old fish story? Boy, I caught a fish. Caught a, by the time it's done, we've pulled a whale into the boat. But the truth is we can do that just to dramatize the story and to make, but we also need someone close enough. Now listen to me right now. What I'm not doing, and I'm going to teach through this in a minute, what I'm not doing is giving someone a license to say, man, you're ignorant. You need to stop. You say, well, I'm a friend. <laughs> Be friendly. How many know there's a right way and a wrong way to help people? The book of Ecclesiastes, the seventh chapter in the fifth verse, says it's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. Whew, that's powerful. Let's read that again. It's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. But we don't like negativity, especially when it's directed towards us, to which I would ask you this question very intentionally. Is it actually negative if it is giving a positive result? Is it negative if what they are saying to you, what they are doing is actually for you, not against you? I don't know why you'd speak to me like that. Because I love you. Because I want you to succeed. Not just spouses. <laughs> In case any spouses go home and say, he was setting you up tonight. <laughs> I've been waiting all week. Got a few things to let you know. You pull out your list and it looks like a scroll. It's not what we're talking about. Yes, spouses, you should be able, and, and we're going to deal with that a lot in our upcoming family month starting this Sunday. But as we start this, this Sunday, I want to kind of preempt getting into this teaching on the body and the family of Christ. Men, we need Holy Ghost-filled men in our lives who can challenge us on ungodly behavior. Ladies, we need Holy Ghost-filled ladies that can challenge us on ungodly behavior. Why are you saying it so slow? I want it to be annoyingly slow so you get it. I don't want to yell so you clap. I want to speak slow so you write. I need somebody. Somebody in my life. Listen, when you're missing too much church, you ought to have a friend that can tell you you're missing too much church. But in our flesh, if, if we're not careful, in our flesh, my first response is, who do they think they are to tell me? They don't know who's been sick. They don't know what that I lost. They don't know. Tell you what they know. They know they love you. And they know they want you. Now, let's present the, let's present the, the, the character of Christ. Because everybody knows there's a right and a wrong way to do this. Okay? There's a right and a wrong way to do this. Jesus, being our ultimate example in Matthew chapter 11, he said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle. Humble. You can never approach correction from the platform of pride. If I ever desire 
Please hear that, man, I'm saying a lot of things I hope get written or at least caught here tonight, okay? If you ever desire to correct someone so that you feel better, you're not correcting them, you're exposing you. Well, I'm going to set the record straight. You sure are. And God's going to take note. And if you're not careful, you may do more damage than good. So how am I supposed to go about this? With humility? With meekness? How many know it's the fruit of the Spirit that we come humbly to one another with meekness? I want you to hear me right now. You can be confident and meek at the same time. Meekness is not the exclusion of confidence. Meekness is the characteristic of Christ. It is having that attribute that helps you to intentionally and faithfully and meekly guard a friend. Brother Turner, if, if, if a brother comes to you because he is seeing someone that's working against you or a, a subtle attack against your life, he should not come ready to prove you a point. And if, and if he really loves you, he won't come to you by telling someone else. My first response, without fail, Pastor Lopez can tell you, he knows this is, I teach this all the time. Talk to our staff about this. If someone comes with a complaint about someone, my first response is, how did it go when you talked to them? <gasps> I didn't talk to them. Well, that's almost biblical, don't you think? To go to them. Go to God and make sure it is something. Don't go get five opinions from other people. Come on now, this is healthy what's happening right here. Well, I just need to ask a few more people. No, you don't. There's something tied to your desire to gossip that wants to ask five more people. And we got to kill. How many know the Bible has a lot to say about a wayward tongue and a divisive Again, I cannot build the kingdom by destroying its members' reputation. So I have to guard that and I have to consider in a spirit of humility. And sometimes we're understood. Do you know sometimes, we never talk about this, so I want to talk about this. Do you know that sometimes people who are actually introverted, they come across as prideful and don't mean to? They come across as arrogant. Sometimes personality types are mislabeled. It is hard. We have people in this church, the size and the scope of our church. We have people that show up and maybe they're dressed nice and they, they, they're, they're doing everything they can to be here, but they are extremely introverted. And because maybe they don't talk to you or it's not easy for them, if we're not careful, some could say, well, they're arrogant. And if we're not careful, that could come out casually in a conversation. Have you met someone? No, they seem a little stuck up. This is just normal life. This is the stuff that happens. I'm, I'm gonna, I need to teach this. I felt this from God in prayer this week to tell someone, if they're losing, you're not winning. We're not winning as a body if our members are dealing with some kind of a character assassination or a... So we've got to be humble in the way that we approach one another. Please, please never challenge someone that you have not first challenged yourself in prayer about. God, help us to love one another enough to pray for one another. 
How many know in the world we live in, the first response is confrontation, the second response is prayer? Or maybe somewhere down the road. But prayer is not the normal first response, but it must be for believers. Pray, help me to get the the attitude of Christ, which is humility. Here's why, because Proverbs 13.10 says, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Let me read this in the NET version. With pride comes only contention, but wisdom is with the well-advised. That pride causes that contention. How does that display? I see something in your life, Brother John, and I come to you and I'm going to set the record straight and I'm going to prove the point. And I'm not talking about pastor. Brother John's got a beautiful spirit. If I came to him with correction, he'd receive it. But I think he also knows the way I would come to him, hopefully, would be with meekness and with humility. But if it's a peer, if it's a brother that comes to you, or if you're supposed to go to another, it's not so that you can, please hear me, it's not so that you can prove your right. Please catch this. It's to prove he's right. And he's meant to be proven in his followers. So it's to come to someone and say, listen, not with a spirit, a spirit of arrogance or a, an attitude of pride. You need to do this or else. No, it's coming to someone and saying, I love you enough. For the people in this room right now, there are so many in this room that say, I don't want anything to do with confrontation. I feel you. I feel you in this room right now. I don't, I don't want confrontation. I'm not talking about confrontation. I'm talking about humbly addressing a friend. Saying, I don't think you recognize that this may be a snare for you. you, you I don't know if you realize but Instagram is destroying your life. You, a friend enough that cannot say something judgmental like, you need to get off Facebook. A friend that honestly sees it, feels it in prayer, and go to a friend and say, you're not the best version of yourself online. I'm going to park. Boy, when I hit it, I'm going to park. I'm going to stay here. If you just got hit, Beep, beep. Back up. Come on, keyboard ninjas. You're like the country song, so much different online or whatever. We need a friend that can come to us and say, the you I see on here and the you I see in person. People that are coming not out of pride, but out of humility. to which I would ask you to write if you take notes. Arrogance is the assassin of correction. Arrogance is the assassin of correction. College student not taking notes in your class and professor says, you need to be taking notes, this is up to you. And you think to yourself, don't tell me what to do. I've got A's all through school. Well, that's arrogance. And it's not only the assassin of correction, but it's also the assassin of advancement. We need to be able to be corrected. Brother Gallion, there's going to be times that you've got to talk to a student and the worst thing that can happen is for a student to receive every moment of correction as attack. I had a very passionate, heartfelt, had heard from God one time years ago, had heard 
from God and felt prompted to talk to a student. From my perspective, the entire conversation was positive, completely positive. I was instructing them on what I felt for the future of their life. The only thing that they could hear was through the filter of a father who had treated them poorly. And by the time it got back full circle to me, I had spent five minutes genuinely encouraging them. But because of the arrogance and the filter of hurt that was there, they could not receive that correction. So it was lost on them. Again, I return to what I said earlier. If you cannot receive correction, you cannot walk this Christian walk. Well, pastor, that's easy for you to say. You don't have anybody. <laughs> A, false. B, false. <clears throat> I've got a pastor in my life. I keep spiritual covering in my life. I've talked to my pastor today. Talked to my pastor yesterday. I want to be covered. When I need correction, I want to be corrected. Before I even got up and delivered this word tonight, I called my best friend who is able to speak into my life and said, here's what I'm feeling. And I talked to him about this assassination of arrogance and what it is. And he began to talk to me. In fact, he, he said to me, do you remember the time? And he, he told me, I, we, were at a, we were at a dinner table one time and he was telling me something that he was going to do. And, and you know, the, I felt like the Lord quickened me and I loved him enough. And I turned to him and I said, this is your problem. You're so moved by burden that you cannot accomplish the tasks that need to be accomplished. And I meant it. I was meek about it. I felt like I was humble about it, but I was sincere enough. He told me, he told me on the phone this morning, he said, at first that stung me, but it has kept me because it was what I needed to hear. I've told the story. You've heard me tell the story before. I love to talk about it. Uh, Aaron Bounds, when I was talking to him, one time I was pitching him that thought I was going to preach something and, and, and he said, I've got a few people I do this with and, and, and Brother Bounds, I told him the entire thing and I said, Does, you know, that sounds good, right? And I knew I was in trouble when he said, tell me one more time. And I, I knew what that meant. <laughs> that meant, no, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Now what he could have done was he could have said, well, I don't want to hurt his feelings so I'll let him make a fool of himself. I'll let him get up and swing and try real hard and not actually... Listen, we need the faithful wounds of a friend. If you have someone, you should have someone in your life. If you have a proclivity or a tendency to struggle with pornography, I hope you have a godly friend that helps guard you in that. <gasps> Come on. Come on. If you, have, if you have a tendency towards negativity, I hope that there is someone in your life that has the ability to come to you and say, you're being negative today and this is not the best version of you. Oh, pastor, that's not good preaching. No, but it's real good teaching. And it's necessary teaching. I do not want to shout on Sunday night what I will not live on Monday morning. I do not want to dance out what I cannot walk out. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, how many know people do fall? 
good people fall. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are what? Spiritual. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Doing what? (laughs) Considering thyself. How many know that sometimes we live in a world that forgets that part? I got to consider myself lest I'm the one that's, that's tempted. Well, I couldn't be tempted like that. I've said across the couch from a lot of people who never thought it could happen to them. But we must guard most carefully. Verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want to give you something to write down here. I felt like the Lord challenged me today. You're not actually helping them bear the burden if you feel no weight. If you can't actually feel the weightiness of it in prayer, if you can't actually feel the the weightiness of it in your groaning and your travail before the Lord, you're not bearing it. You're just striving to expose it. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And it is kind of this analogy that's being portrayed here. It's being taught to us that, well, I'm just going to deceive everybody else. I'm just going to play the part. And at the end of the day, the truth is, the person that you're really deceiving is yourself. How many know we can't hide anything from the Lord? Well, as long as nobody knows. I got news for you. He knows. He knows. He knows the thoughts. He knows the intents of the heart. And it is this word that is sharp enough and quick enough to get into our hearts and into our minds. Often, it is easy for us to receive in a church sermon when the preacher just preaches or teaches because we are dealing with ourselves. The struggle on a lesson like tonight is when we're identifying the word says you also need someone close enough to you, a peer, a friend, a godly individual, that it's not just the preacher, but it's someone that can come to you or you going to somebody. Now, don't worry, we're not going to have an altar call where I ask everybody to find somebody. You've been wanting to tell some, my God, have mercy. No, that's not happening where everybody watches who goes to who. (laughs) that's absolutely the opposite of what we're trying to get across here tonight. But it might be that over the next couple of weeks or the next month, the Lord prompts you. Let me tell you one of the greatest ways to get correction. One of the greatest ways to be guarded is by invitation. Every person in this room should invite being guarded. Let me give you a practical illustration, 21st century. My house has an alarm system. The guy did not randomly show up one day and say, I'm here to put the alarm system in. And me just be like, I don't want this. No, I had to go online, find the number, call the company, set up the appointment, and then meet with the individual They had to come to our house, 
go through the details, go through, why did you do that? For me, because I got four kids and a lot of glass. I wanted it to be guarded. Say, well, that's over the top, that's silly. I don't think it's silly to guard my family. Now listen, if that's necessary for physical property, if that's necessary for a temporal life, how much more is it necessary for eternal existence? You've heard me say it many times and you've heard me say it at funerals on the regular that we are eternity tied to a vapor. So I need to not only... Here's what I need. Brother Healy, I need to not hope. I, I need to not just think maybe if you see something in Brother Mac or if Brother Mac would see something in you. I'm using you because you're sitting next to each other here. Just, let's just hope that they say something. Here's how it actually works. When you go to someone and you say, if you ever see anything in me, this is the invitation. I want you so that I cannot rebuttal or rebuff or I cannot. You're doing this for reproof and for correction through the word of God so that I can't turn and say, I can't believe you would come and say this. The response can be, you invited me. It'd be like inviting a guest to dinner and then they get there and you're like, why are you here? Now, if you invite a guest to 7 o'clock dinner and they show up at 6.30, trying to help some of you. You ever had a guest show up for dinner early and you're scrambling? But if you've invited him, Brother Healy, you don't have the right to get mad when he shows up and says, now, Brother Healy, you invited me. I've got all kinds of individuals in my life Brother Thad, I've got all kinds of individuals in my life that have asked me, and they, they've, said, they've said, Brother Carson, not just here, pastors and ministers and leaders around that have told me, if you ever see anything or feel anything from me, will you love me enough to tell me what you see? Well, it'd be a lot more fun if we just set up a group text thread and made fun of it. I'm sorry, but I can't stand that mess. <laughs> Let's just, can you believe that they said this online? You've told everybody, but never even told them. They had a slip of the tongue. For those, let me talk to every young preacher in the room that thinks it's funny to find slip of the tongues online and share it in text thread. Get ready. Get ready. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. If you make someone else your punching line, you're going to become someone else's. It's just true teaching. And so we've got to guard that. We've got to be loving enough with each other. Matthew 26 and 49, I'll begin drawing to a close. And forthwith he came to Jesus and he said, Hail, Master. And what did he do? He kissed him. Isn't it amazing the writing of Proverbs where he speaks to the same, the faithful wounds of a friend. He also mentions the deceit in the multitude of kisses. Well, <laughs> you got Peter saying all kinds of things. You got disciples absolutely distraught that he's leaving, and you've got Judas kissing him. 
We know it from this side of the table, but if you're an outsider, you think Judas is the close one. But Brother Grothy, he was deceitful in his heart. Be weary of people that only compliment you all the time. Somebody told me recently, they said, you, 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 you know I don't ever want all yes men. And I, I said, you're exactly right, and I don't ever. One of the most incredible things about our team that we're blessed with here at Calvary Tabernacle, and I won't call any names, but we've got incredible team members. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna just shock you. They don't always agree. Sometimes I sit back in our meetings and I, and I watch and I'm like, <laughs> you ever been somewhere? Wish you had popcorn? Did you, uh. I've been in meetings before where even in our pastoral meetings where one person had this stance and one person had this stance and they weren't in agreement. Listen, but they were both right because it was from their perspective. And they, hear me, they did not need to assault verbally one another to make right their point. Anytime that I have to consistently flatter you, I have to consistently, if you only keep people around you that tell you what you want to hear, dangerous. Well, I don't like them around me. They're always getting on to me. You're like the prophet in the Old Testament. I don't don't want to hear it. You only prophesy doom and gloom. Would you rather me keep your carcass alive? Just tell me what I want to hear. Just tell me everything's going to be fine. You don't need people in your life. Now listen, you don't need everybody in your life. Negative. I know you're not misunderstanding me tonight. If someone tells you, hey, man, I like that shirt, don't be the person that says, tell me what you really think. Don't, just take the compliment. Say, thank you. God, have mercy. Oh, this whole thing, I don't really like. You just bought it. You just, just say thanks. Glad you got a compliment. Okay? Be able to accept the compliment. You don't need people in your life that are always only positive or always only negative. True friends ought to be able to bring balance to your life. Pastor, preach something invigorating about about reaching a soul. Tonight I'm teaching how to keep one. Reaching, connecting, discipling. Disciples know how to speak in meekness and receive in humility. Speak in meekness and receive in humility. Stand with me. Praise God. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The reason I'm teaching this, have taught this tonight, when I took this to prayer, I felt the Lord tell me that someone is nearing bitterness in their spirit over something that was actually spoken to you in love. Others have distanced themselves from friends and friendships 
that genuinely meant well. Now you hear me, they might not have said it as well. I've tried to help with that tonight. They might not have approached it with complete wisdom. I've tried to address that a little bit tonight. Some of that is temperament, personality, maturity. But here's what I would tell you right now. If they're a godly friend, they're worth keeping. If our closest friends are non-believers, we need help. Oh boy, that was something right there. Would you lift your hands with me in the, in the house tonight? God, help us to be friendly enough to be honest with our friends. Help us to be Christian enough to receive. Help us not to give the enemy our ear. Help us not to applaud the kisses of deceit. Help us, O oh God, that we are not consistently turning our ear to hear the lofty voices of deceitfulness when we know that we need to hear the truth, even if it feels like a wound from our friend. I want someone to pray with me right now. God, give me strong, godly relationships. Give me strong, godly friendships. I'm praying so specific right now as I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost for someone in this room that you feel like people are against you. That's a lie from the enemy. I curse that. It's trying to make you judgmental in your own spirit. I pray against that. I pray you would open our hearts, our minds to the love of God. Lord, let us, let us have good, godly friendships. It's not the will of God. It's not the will of God that we be lonely. Amen. It's not the will of God that believers or members of Calvary Tabernacle feel lonely. You should have fulfilling relationships, whether introvert or extrovert, whether you're athletic or not, whether you're a platform ministry type person or you feel like you don't have a lot of talents. We're going to get to that pretty soon where we really deal with this thing about gifts and talents. But it is important that you are woven into the body. If you're woven into the body of Christ, then there will be deep and meaningful relationships. Deep and meaningful relationships have deep and meaningful conversations. Not just surface stuff. Even to the guy who doesn't want to share his emotions, I'm not trying to get you to be sappy and open up, but I am trying to get you to have godly relationships where you talk about more than football sometimes. Talk about football as much as you want. But football won't take you to heaven. Ladies, have relationships. Men, have relationships that are godly, that help keep us on course. Amen.